Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Uh, that being said, are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? Get those sermon notes out. We are in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, and um, I, I want to share some things with you that, that um, you know, are, are going to not only teach you some things that we need to deal with personally, but really teach you the Word of God. Um, here at New Song, we love God's Word. Um, we love studying God's Word. We love adhering to the Word of God. We say it this way. We are passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We are a life-giving, healthy, vibrant, Bible-believing church. How many think it's pretty important when you go to church, they need to be Bible believers, right? I mean, that's what we're here for, to study, to learn uh, about the grace of God, the love of God, and really the call of God upon all of our lives. And so that's, that's who we are. We love the Bible, love teaching the Bible. And today, I'm going to start out with what, what I would call, I don't, I don't know if anybody else uses this term, but I would call the famous therefores in the book of Romans. It's the famous therefores. And anytime you, you've heard this said before, uh, probably, that anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to discover what it's there for, right? That there, there's always some things preceding it. You need to know what it's there for. And these are four famous therefores of the Bible, now, or, or the book of Romans. Now, I believe, from what I remember, there's either 20 or 21 therefores throughout the book of, of Romans, but we're just going to talk about the four famous ones, or what I would call the, the four most famous therefores in the book of Romans. The first one is, letter A, write this down, the therefore of righteousness. It's the therefore of righteousness, and it, it comes along with a... a a verse I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, therefore, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. This is the therefore of righteousness. And what it means is this, everybody. Said, Let me simplify this for you. He's saying that just previous to this, he's explaining the law. He's explaining uh, uh, the, the, the rules that people used to hear to, and of course, faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, the law is there to, to, to give us uh, the proof that we are sinners. It shows us our sin. It proves our sin. And yet we have this mentality oftentimes, even, even people who say they're Christians that, that would say, well, if my good outweighs my bad, I get to spend eternity with God. I get to go to heaven if my good outweighs my bad. And Paul is saying, actually, that's not what righteousness is all about. It's, that's not what righteous, righteousness is not a, a matter of good outweighing the bad. In fact, the Bible says this way, that your righteousness is like filthy rags. Let me say it a different way, that on your very best day, your very best day ever, like let's say you spent the day uh, singing Amazing Grace and feeding homeless people in, 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 in a large metropolitan area where they had no food, and then, then you helped the elderly and some, and then you went to, the, to, to an orphanage and helped children, and then you adopted five kids yourself. And I'm talking about you had a great day, 
in the life of others that that level of righteousness doesn't even compare to the righteousness of God. On your very best day, your righteousness is like filthy rags in comparison to the righteousness, the holiness, the perfection of God. And so if you're depending on your goodness to get you into heaven, you don't really have any goodness to offer because the wages of sin is still death. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So it's the therefore of righteousness. But then we have, then Paul is getting, he's just building his case. He's getting to the good news. Letter B is the therefore of justification. The therefore of justification. Okay, so Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. So let's stop right there. Justification is, it's a, it's a theological word, a biblical word, that you could say it means just as if you'd never sinned. So it, it would be that you've been justified, that God has made it just as if you had never sinned before. He says, we have been justified, not through our works, not through our goodness, but actually through, what's that word? Through faith. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through, not your works, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. So your righteousness on your own is not good enough. And so it's not by works that we're saved. It's actually, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we are justified, we are, we are made as if we have never sinned before. We're made right in the sight of God, in the eyes of God, and in a relationship with God, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many knows that that's good news? We don't earn it, we just receive it. We, we take possession of our salvation through faith, not through works. We do it through faith. It's the therefore of justification. Now we have, let her see, the therefore of assurance. Therefore of assurance. So now, now we have this thing, well, how do, how do I know I'm saved? Well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives a witness in our spirit that we are believers, that we are Christians or followers of Christ. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so there's no condemnation meaning you don't have to walk around feeling guilty or feeling ashamed. You actually, what I tell people is there, there's no need, when you're a Christian, there's no, there's no need to walk around feeling guilty, but you have every reason to walk around feeling grateful. Grateful that you've been saved by grace through faith. You have every reason to be grateful, to be grateful to God. You can have this assurance of faith in your life that I, I have been saved by grace through faith. And it's not of my works, but it's the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. Because I believe in the work of Jesus Christ, I'm saved by my faith in him. You know, I, I was thinking about this. I, I talked to my dad multiple times about the assurance of salvation. And, and he struggled with that in his, in, in his life. At one point in his life, he, he really came to Christ when he was in Vietnam. And he said, he told me the story that he was walking the road in Vietnam and, um, and he, had, he had come to Christ, but he didn't have this assurance of salvation. And, and he just, he was praying about it. He, he said these words to God. He said, now God, 
to the best of my ability, I've done my part. Uh, To the best of my ability, I'm trusting Christ as Savior. So I've done my part. I take it for granted that you've done yours. And he said at that moment, this assurance of of salvation just flooded his, his life, his mind, his heart. And he said he never questioned his salvation after that, that that he came to this understanding, God, I've done my part to the best of my ability. I have confessed that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I've trusted solely in Christ Jesus for salvation. I've done my part, and I just take for granted that you've done your part. And he said the assurance just swept over his soul. Let me tell you something. If you have trusted Christ as savior, truly trusted Christ as savior, you know, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. So we repent of our sins. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That you don't have to walk around feeling guilty, but you should walk around feeling grateful and expressing that gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians should be the happiest people in the entire world because we've been saved by grace through faith. Can I get an amen on that, everybody? Okay, and then we have letter D, the therefore of surrender. So we have the therefore of righteousness. You don't have enough righteousness to put you in right standing with God. So it becomes the therefore of justification. We rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, put our faith in Christ, and we are justified through faith in Jesus. And we have assurance of that faith. And now... We have the therefore of surrender, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the things that Paul has been writing about, in view of all of those things, in view of the righteousness, the the justification, the assurance, the love, the grace, the mercy of God, in view of all of those things, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. It's the therefore of surrender. The therefore of surrender. When we first come to Christ, we are, we are surrendering to Christ. We're saying, Christ, Christ Jesus is Lord. I cannot make it to heaven on my own, so I'm trusting in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in his goodness, not in my goodness. I've put my faith in him, therefore I'm saved by grace through faith, and I have assurance of that faith. That is a surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you surrender your life to Christ upon salvation, what you're actually choosing is a life of surrender, not just a moment of surrender. It is a life of surrender. Let me ask you a question. Is everything in your life surrendered to Christ? Is everything in your life surrendered? Is, let me say it this way. Is everything in your life obedient to the word of God? And I think all of us in this room say, well, not all. I don't know about you, but I still struggle with the sin nature. Do you? Like there's still some things that the Holy Spirit is working in me about, right? Do you feel the same way? Like there's some still some things that I'm saying yes to that the Holy Spirit wants me to say no to. 
There's some things that I used to, to do and I didn't have any bad sense that it was wrong. I didn't have any sense that I shouldn't do it. But now that I'm maturing in Christ, all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, let's, let's move on from that now. But, but I've watched this for years. Yeah, but it's time to stop now. You see what I'm saying? That we're, we, have this, we have this tension in our life. In fact, the Bible talks about that. And we're going to read that this, this morning, this tension in our life. Well, I want to live a life of surrender to Christ. But I still struggle with these desires that really don't come from Christ. I, I, I want to surrender to the word of God, but I still struggle. There's still a tension in my life because I have these desires that are not in alignment with the word of God. I want to surrender to, the, to God's word, but there's some tension there. And how do we face that? How do we, how do we truly live a life of surrender? Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It starts by this. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. <laughs> Pastor Justin, are we talking about sin today? I, I don't want to talk about Why do we have to talk about sin? Well, we have to talk about it because we all struggle with it. We have to talk about it because we all struggle with it. The Bible says if you say, I don't actually struggle with sin, the truth is not in you. Oh, I don't, I don't really struggle with sin. The Bible says that actually that's a lie. And that's proof that you struggle with sin. <laughs> you're, you're thinking, that's not as funny as you're making it sound, Pastor. Okay, okay, I get you, I get you. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. But, but Pastor, sometimes I do. I, I know. And sometimes I, I do too. But I don't want to. And the fact that you don't want to is proof that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And you should give God praise for that. See, there, there are some people that their conscience has, has been cut off and they don't feel guilt for sin. And the fact that you say, boy, I'm dealing with this struggle of sin, but I don't want to sin. Can I tell you something? That is reason to rejoice. It is proof that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you by God's grace, by his mercy. The Holy Spirit is working in you. What good news. It's good news that the Holy Spirit is calling you into a life without sin. Verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. And I highlighted this next, this next phrase for you. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. New song, surrender wholeheartedly to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Let's stop right there. So this is, this is an important passage of Scripture 
because he's about to get into this, this mindset. And I'll read it here in just a few minutes. He's about to get into this mindset that says, wow, God's grace is so amazing. That means I can just go ahead and do whatever I want to do. Like I have enough of God to, to secure my eternity in heaven. And now I get to go live any type of life that I want to live. And Paul is about to, to address that in this letter. In fact, let's read that next verse. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? And he answers that question by saying, of course not. Like that doesn't make sense at all. Let, let me, let's, again, let's stop right here for a second. You know, uh, growing up in, in, in Oklahoma, especially rural Oklahoma, as I've taught you guys in, in, in the past, my parents, they, they really not only planted a church, but was in charge of revitalizing churches. That was just God's call upon their life. And so I saw healthy churches under my parents' leadership, but I also saw very unhealthy situations when we would first move in and take that church over. And, 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 and at times of my life, I was surrounded by legalistic people. And, and their fear is that if you talk about the grace of God, then people are just going to go out and sin. If you don't have rules, well, people are just go out and do whatever they want to do. They'll just, they'll just go sin against God because they have enough to get into heaven. They'll just go live life. You know, I, I, I really struggled with that to the point that it carried into my, in, into my 30s and even a little bit into my 40s. And so years ago, uh, in my personal study time, my personal devotion time, I, I did a, about a three-year study just simply on the grace of God. For three years, that's all I studied was just the grace of God. I, I read books about the grace of God. I read every verse in scripture about the grace of God. And you would think, let me say it this way, at the end of those three years of just studying the grace of God, I was amazed, absolutely astounded at how big and how truly amazing the grace of God really is. It's it's. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. His grace is greater than you could ever imagine. And at the end of it, I told my wife, I said, I have been so transformed in this study that I know as a child, I accepted God's grace. I know as a child, I, I truly understood that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And I called out to Jesus for salvation. I did that at the age of seven. And that was a real conversion. Can I tell you something? That when children give their hearts to Jesus Christ, don't, don't think, oh, well, they didn't really do that. I really did as a child. I gave my life to Jesus. But then that study on grace was so transformational. I told my wife, I said, it's as if I've been born again, again. It's, a, it's as if I've been born again a second time because the, the, the grace of God is just bigger and better. I said, I know I was baptized as a child, but it feels like I need to be baptized again because I didn't understand the grace of God to the point that I understand it now. And you would think, well, if grace is so amazing that I can, keep, I can just go do what I'm doing, then I can, I can keep living out my worldly desires and give in to my sinful nature. And the truth of the matter is it's just opposite. If you understand the grace of God, you don't want to experience anything but the grace of God. You long for the grace of God. 
I don't long for the things of the world like I used to long for the things of the world. Now I just want more of God because, so, so understanding the grace of God didn't push me away from God to go sin. It actually drew me closer to God because I loved him more and more and more. And, and a lot of the legalists would say, well, we need rules because if you don't have rules, people just go and do what." Can I tell you something? If people understood the grace of God, they would be drawn to God like never before and truly surrender their life to him. That's why the kindness of God is what brings us to repentance. It's not the, those harsh rules. No, I mean, when was the last time you're like, oh, I love rules. I'm going to do exactly, oh, I love being under your thumb. That is so great. Nobody thinks that thought. It's God's kindness. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his patience that brings us to repentance. And when you discover the grace of God and you discover it more and more and more, you end up surrendering your life to God more and more and more and more. And he's all that you long for. And it felt as if I was born again, again. And I'm telling you, the grace of God is absolutely amazing. But if you have it in your mind, well, the grace of God is so amazing, I can, I can live life however I want to. I'll get just enough to, of Jesus to go to heaven, but I don't have to listen to him anymore. Can I tell you, that is not giving yourself completely to God. That is not a life of surrender. It's not the life that God has called you to. So watch this. Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. And I highlighted this for you. Don't you realize that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose, you might want to highlight that word, you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I'm going to stop right there, and I just want to say something very quick. That righteous living is proof of surrender. That righteous living is proof of surrender. That's what he's saying. Verse 17, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves of righteous living. Slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. So you're, you're, you're in this room this morning or watching online and you think to yourself, you know what, I... I want to surrender. I, I want to live a life of surrender. Boy, it's tough. I still find myself saying yes to things that I should say no to. And, and I find myself saying no to things that I should say yes to. So God calls me and sometimes I say no. And the world calls me and sometimes I say yes and it really bothers me. In fact, can I tell you something? Paul writes about that. Read Romans chapter 7. That this struggle, this tension is there. Sometimes I, I don't do what I want to do, and other times I don't do what I, what I want to do. 
And it's really a struggle. It's really a struggle. And a lot of us depend, well, I've just got to do better. I've just got to do better. I've just got to do better. But I can, can I tell you something? You cannot do this alone. And that's the point of this message right here, right now. That if you want to live a life of surrender to Christ, surrender to God, you cannot do it alone. First of all, the Bible says we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we go to other people for healing. We confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed, the Bible says. So it's one of the reasons that you need to be plugged into a small group. You need to, you need to have somebody in your life that you can look across the table at them and you can take off the mask and say, this is who I really am. And if you're sitting across the, the table from the right person, that person will say, I'm so proud of you for showing me who you really are. I'm here to help you. I, I, I want to encourage you. I want to build you up in the faith and strengthen you concerning the things of God. See, you were never meant to live life by yourself, ever. You were meant to live life in community. And, and we said this a, a few weeks ago, but it's the truth. The first problem, the first problem at, at the creation of man was not sin. Did you know that? You, you could say the first problem was not sin. It was singleness. It is not good that man is alone. You were created for relationship. And we're not just talking about marriage there. We're talking about this need inside of all of us to connect with other people and to build one another up in the faith. If you don't have somebody in your life who sharpens you and helps you to be more Christ-like, you need that. Why? Because it brings healing to you. It helps you live the life of surrender that you really want to live. And as a Christian, you should want to live a full life of surrender, but you cannot do it alone. And can I tell you, even far more than connecting in a group, you need to connect with the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me give you some points about this. Number one, write this down. The willpower was given to say yes to God. It was not given to overcome sin. So a lot of you in your struggle against sin, you're, you're, you're thinking, well, I'm going to overcome this if it kills me. And it probably will. Because you're depending on your willpower as if you have enough power to conquer all by yourself the enemy's attacks on you. As if you have enough power all in yourself to overcome that thing that you said you would never do again, and you did it. In fact, you've said that you would never do that one thing again, and you haven't done it just one more time, or just five more times, or ten more times. Some of you have done that one thing that you said you would never do again. You've done it hundreds or thousands of times. Well, I'm never going to say that word again. And the next time you get stressed, beep. And it's not a forklift backing up, everybody. It's your, it's, your, it's your potty mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Like that one thing that you said, well, I'm never going to do this again. And you just willed it. I'm never going to do this again. And then you found out that you don't have the willpower. Because willpower isn't enough. Willpower gives you the ability, because we have free choice, 
It gives you the ability to say yes to God. It gives you the ability to say yes to Jesus. Willpower was not given to you to overcome sin. And I can prove that to you in scripture. But I want you to write this down first. A temptation is not a test of your will because willpower isn't enough. It is actually a test of your relationship with God. Temptation is not a test of your will. It's actually a test of your relationship with God. Let me say it this way. that The closer you get to God, the more you surrender to God, the less you will struggle in the area of sin. Now, there, sin will always be a struggle as long as you live in this world. There are going to be trials. There are going to be temptations that will come your way for the rest of your life. You're like, well, that's not good news at all. The good news is you're not alone. You don't have to face those temptations alone. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is in you. Empowering you to do what you cannot do on your own. In fact, let me say it this way. That you make the choice to surrender your life to Christ. And God provides the power. Because if you just will it, well, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to conquer this thing if it kills me. L listen, you're going to live a miserable life because you're trusting in your own willpower. But God did not design you like that. He didn't design you to overcome sin by yourself. In fact, Jesus said, hey, there's one who's coming after me, and it's good that he comes. Who is he? He is the Holy Spirit. In fact, number three, write this down, that my greatest resource to overcome sin is the Holy Spirit. Your greatest resource is not your willpower because you don't have enough. And you've already proven that, haven't you? You've already thought in your mind, I'm never going to do this again, but then you did. I'm never going to say this again. I'm never going to go there again, but you did. And you know that willpower isn't enough. You can't do it by yourself, but God never designed it for you to, to surrender by yourself, for you to live a life of surrender by yourself. He gave us powerful and precious Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to read a portion of scripture to you, the found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, so I say, this is again Paul, the same writer of Romans is writing this letter to the Galatians. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What, what, wait, what? Pastor? So if I want to live a life of surrender, if I want to be set free from sin, what do I have to do? And Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And if you are surrendering to God, 
you're actually surrendering to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who provides the power to be an overcomer. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And let's just stop right there. You've been in that place. All of us have been in that place. In fact, all of you were probably in that place just this last week, definitely this last month, in which you were probably watching something on television and something said, I should say someone said, you shouldn't be watching this. And then the tension happens. Should I shut this off or should I let this go? Well, that's, that, that's, did you hear that? That's inappropriate. Dear, did you hear that? Okay, do you keep going forward? Or do you, do you, do you, do you turn channels and, and, and watch something godly like the Packers play? That's, I didn't even razz you about the Packers and Bears game, did I? I, I could, you know I could. But most of you, most of you remember time just in the last week, if not even just in the last day, when you wanted to do something, but you heard a voice saying, no, 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 don't go there. See, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature Desires. So every time you desire to surrender, every desire, every time you desire holiness and righteousness and right living, can I tell you that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you? These two forces are constantly fighting each other, like there's tension inside of you. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Like if you try it on your own, it's not going to work. You will not live a surrendered life, a truly surrendered life, until you surrender to the power and the presence and the wisdom and the guidance and the call of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the problem isn't the Holy Spirit isn't talking. The problem is that his church isn't listening. The problem isn't that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking. The problem is the church is too busy ignoring. Because they want enough of Jesus to get into heaven, but they want to stay devoted to the things of the world. And that's what we're talking about. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You can't do it. Some people try to walk the fence. And God says, don't do that. I would rather you be hot or cold. Why, why is that? Because if you try to walk the fence, it's almost as if you start believing the lie that you can do it on your own, that you're good enough on your own. And God says, listen, I want you to be hot. I want you to either be fully surrendered or I want you to be cold. Because if you're cold, you're not self-deceiving. 
You're not deceiving yourself to believe that everything's okay. It's hard to reach a person who believes the lie, isn't it? Isn't it? God says, no, 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 I don't want you on the fence. Hot or cold. And if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, odds are most of you don't want to be on the fence. And you certainly don't want to be cold. You want to be hot. You want to be living a life of surrender. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you. But you have to have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And you have to choose to obey. And you can't do it on your own. So he'll speak to you. You have to say, oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. You might be doing something the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. And, and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, yes, 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 yes. And he says, no, 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 no. And in that moment, you need to know that you are in a battle. And the goal in that battle is to surrender. Instead of saying yes to sin, to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And when you say yes to the Holy Spirit, he will empower you to live a life of victory. He'll empower you to be an overcomer. He'll empower you. So you, you make the choice. God provides the power. Yeah, you have a free will. And you have to choose surrender. But if you choose surrender, he provides the power. Let me prove this to you one more time. In fact, just stand up with me. If you don't mind, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. This is in Galatians chapter 6. Again, Paul writing. And he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. That just makes sense, right? Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. And you're thinking, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Let me tell you something that's not, that's not changed. The wages of sin is still death. That's not changed. And as your pastor, I don't want you to suffer. I, I don't want you to struggle with destruction and, and, and pain. I, I want you to live a life of victory. And far more than me, God wants you to live that way. So don't be misled. You always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. At just the right time, when you say yes to the Holy Spirit, when you, when you allow him to guide you and you follow his lead, the Bible says at the right time, you are going to reap a harvest of blessing. To that, I say, yes, please. I'll take a little bit more of that. But you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
See, your level, your level of surrender will determine the greatness of your life. Your level of surrender will determine the greatness of your life. And the greatness of your life, you'll never experience greatness in life when you keep giving in to the sin nature. But you will experience the greatness of God in your life. And you'll reap, you'll reap a harvest of blessings. When through the power of the Spirit, you say yes to the Spirit. And He's speaking. And you heard His voice this past week. Some of you heard his voice on the way to church this morning when you wanted to be a little snarky to your spouse and you decided, oh, I better not do that. Well done. Well done. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. Ours is to listen and to obey. And when we choose that, he will empower you to live the life that you're called to live a life that rejects sin and embraces righteousness. All for the glory of his name. Do you receive the word of the Lord this morning? Okay, I want to do two things this morning. First of all, if, you have, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do, to do that right now. And, and when I do this, when I give you this opportunity, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I'm going to have you raise your hand. And then I want you to go to guest services. After I dismiss everybody, you can go to guest services. Just say, hey, today I surrendered my life to Christ. And they have a book there for you called Fresh Start. It's free of charge. And, and they'll just take some information. We'll connect with you later this week. This, so this is not to embarrass you. This is a personal moment between you and Christ to surrender your life. For the rest of us, we have a prayer to pray after that, a very specific prayer that we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. If there's anybody in this room or watching online that you have not given your life to Christ, I want to remind you about the therefores, that you don't have enough righteousness, that on your very best day, your righteousness is not good enough to get you into heaven. But you can be made right with God, not through your works, but through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. The Bible says at that moment, through faith, not through works, you'll be justified just as if you'd never sinned. You'll be made right in the eyes of God. And you'll have assurance of that salvation that you don't have to live a guilty life but you can certainly live a life of gratefulness to God for saving you. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, it's available to anybody who asks. That's what the Bible says. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But nobody looking around. Again, I'm, I'm not going to call you out. If you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, I want you to hold your hand up really high. Let me see who you are. All right. All right, I see those hands. You can put them down so proud of you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to give you just a few more moments here. Ah, so very proud of the ones who gave, who are giving their life to Christ. And we're going to address that right here, right now. If you raise your hand, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. It is so simple. You can just agree with it in your heart. Say, just say to God, God, that's me. 
And it goes like this, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I believe you're the savior of the world. And I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And today I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. Today at this moment, I'm trusting Jesus Christ as savior. I'm not going to trust in my goodness anymore. I'm trusting in the goodness of Jesus Christ. The spotless, sinless son of God who loved me so much that he bore my sins on the cross and he died. He took my place. But he was raised to new life, proving him to be the savior of the world. Jesus, you are Lord. And today I surrender to you and I confess you're my Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And if you pray that prayer, you are now a follower of Jesus. You are a Christian. I tell you, this is the best day. It's the best decision you could have ever made. So be sure to go to guest services. They'll help you out. For the rest of us who want to live a life of surrender, the Bible says that we are called to be passionately devoted to him. My translation, but that's what it says. To live lives of surrender to give yourselves completely to God. And we need more of the Spirit in our life. And we need open ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And we need the power of the Spirit to obey. And I'm going to ask you, begin just to bow your heads just for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to live a life of surrender? Have you failed in this area? but you're all in. You're saying, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of sinning. I don't want that. Well, praise the Lord you don't want that. It's proof that the Holy Spirit is working. And today you're going to ask for more of, of the Spirit in your life. I'm going to pray very specifically for you, but first of all, I want to know who, who's with me. And I want you to open up your hands toward heaven and just say, it's me. I'm with you. I want to live a life of surrender. Hands open all across this room. And I'm going to pray specifically for you today. Father, I pray for all of my friends, my family here at New Song Bowl. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. And give us hearts to obey. And I'm asking you, Lord, fill us with your spirit like never before. Because we cannot do this on our own. We confess. We cannot do this on our own. We need your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill us. Fill this church with the power that we need to live in victory. Give us hearts to obey and ears to hear. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you move, nobody moving around here just for a second. Even if you're dream team, stay right where you are. Next week, we're going to continue this. This is just part A of, of, of one sermon, really. I just knew I couldn't get it all into one. So next week, I'm going to continue this. Don't, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Be here next week. But don't come alone. One invitation can change a life. 
So invite somebody to come with you and let's make a difference for the glory of God. Having said that, do you receive the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Pray like you've never prayed before and invite the presence of the Spirit in your life every single day of your life. God bless you guys. I love you. If you're new, be sure to catch me out in the lobby. I will meet you out there. Have a great week, everybody. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.